Welcome to a new episode of the Fantasy Oddcast with my co-host Jake Perry. You can follow him on Twitter, Jake Perry34. You can follow me on Twitter, AJ Desai4. How's it going, man? Really, really good week in the NFL. Yeah, man. And this week was fun. It was nice not having to watch the Bears lose this week. Dude, like I, I honestly think like like whenever a bye week comes or something like that, it's like the Bears have just won automatically and like on top of that like all of our division rivals have lost too but it's not like say yeah yeah that made it feel like a real nice week even though we didn't play yeah and like you know it's not like the bears are going to do anything with this um with the division setback you know we always see you know three of the teams losing and with the bears losing too so i mean hopefully like this sunday i think it's sunday um it's packer week so we'll get into that um, as the podcast rolls in but um jake Man, this this week, man, in the NFL, crazy, crazy games. Um, Sunday night football was fantastic. Uh, Monday night football was fantastic. Talk about some of the games, man. Yeah, so uh, one of the ones that I had the most fun watching, probably because I had the most fantasy interest in it, was the uh, Saints-Falcons game that I talked about last week. It did not turn out anything like I thought it would. I thought it would be like a total shootout, just both teams putting up crazy numbers. Um, but we saw, you know... Taysom Hill, you know, great first start, 18 for 23, 233 passing, 10 carries for 51 and two touchdowns. Taysom, you know, definitely proved he can run an offense. He made Michael Thomas fantasy viable again while simultaneously potentially making Kamara less fantasy viable. But I, I, I'm hoping what we saw was a Kamara more of just like a, using him a little bit less due to having the lead in the Falcons offense not looking too crazy. Um, plus, he was nursing a foot injury throughout the week. So hopefully it was just, you know, a little bit of you know in-game rest for him but julio you know that that it really shows that that falcons offense runs through both julio and ridley being on the field because we saw ridley still had a pretty good game five for 90 um but julio man when he when he comes out of the game that that offense looks way worse yeah, because like you're talking about one of the best receivers in the game, and like when when you take out Julio and he's sitting there on the sidelines, uh, Calvin Ridley immediately becomes the number one target when he's off the field. Julio Jones, that is. So, um, and like you said, we saw it, and it cost them because, um, like you mentioned, uh, Taysom Hill uh, just ran around that defense. I mean, he was insane. I thought he was insane. Um, I mean. I guess people wanted to see Jameis Winston, but maybe Sean Payton just might be kind of good with going with uh, Taysom Hill. I mean, good game, fantasy outlook there as well. Yeah, I think, you know, I think Wilson is, or Winston is still the better passer of the two, but I think the dimension that like Taysom adds with his legs, like there's no, there's a handful of guys in the NFL that can run like he can um, from the quarterback position. I think that was, you know, a big factor of, you know, why he saw success. You know, he even had he had success passing. The game started a little bit slow for him throwing the rock, but you know, it definitely picked up towards the end there. But it was that was a that was a fun game to watch. Yeah, definitely. Like there was one of these throws. Um, you know, Taysom Hill doesn't have like the best arm strength, but like he threw this um uh, just like a Hail Mary type play, but it wasn't like, you know, those Hail Marys because the Saints were winning that game, uh, well, most of it. Um, he threw it up to Emmanuel Sanders, and, like, God knows what the Atlanta Falcons defense was doing. Like, I think the cornerback, he forgot his assignment, and he ended up into the end zone, and Emmanuel Sanders uh, tracked the ball back to the 10-yard line. I don't know if you saw that play uh, Sunday. Um, mm. uh, it's It seemed like Taysom, Taysom Hill just threw up a um, – threw up a prayer and Emmanuel Sanders came down with it. And honestly, um, any team can throw up a prayer against the Atlanta Falcons and it would end up going their way. So, um, yeah, 
insane game. Yeah, definitely. Another game that I really enjoyed watching, um, that Colts Packers game was fun, man. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't care who you are. I don't care if you don't like either team. That was a fun game to watch. It was a back and forth game, you know, down to literally the final seconds. Um, you know, anytime you give, you know, you give Rodgers a chance to get down the field and, you know, he's done it a million times. He, he proved that he could, you know, get them in the field goal range. Crosby ties it up and then you get it into overtime. You know, that uh, that drop by the fumble by MVS really, you know, really, really cost the Packers there. You know, it was given, you know, if MVS doesn't, he made a catch, you know, uh, on the previous drive, you know, and basically triple coverage to get them, you know, into field goal range. Um, but it, it just really goes to show, man, that, you know, you can be a hero one second and the scapegoat the next. And, and like, you know, I, I don't really uh, agree. And, like, I don't think anyone should agree with, like, the, the death comments that um, MBS has not, gotten. Yeah. You know, and that's just ridiculous because these are humans. And, like, you know, we, we always talk about Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady not being humans. But at the end of the day, when the game's over, when everyone's gone, they get in their nice cars and they go home and they have dinner and they go home and they go to sleep and they come back for practice the next day. So it's I don't. Like Packers fans, like if you're listening, I don't think we have that many listens out here yet, and we will as we go down the road. That's just like disingenuous to see when someone is like, like I I get it. Like he made a play before beforehand that actually got you into that overtime period in the first place. But don't say that like you should die because of drop like fumbling that ball or something like that. Like or you should get into a car accident when you're leaving the stadium. That's just that's that's ridiculous. Like I don't want to talk about that anymore. Like I feel like you know Packers fans, everything some things are just going right their way. They're seven and three. They lost a game instead of going eight and two. They're seven and three. It's okay. You still have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. One of the best running backs and wide receivers in the league i'm sure uh this sunday they'll bounce back against the bears because i have no hope in the bears so yeah man uh yeah that stuff's obviously disheartening to see um but uh when it comes to like that actual game itself you know it, we saw a lot of things that i really liked in the you know in the uh, cult side of things um obviously we focus on the packers a lot more but the colts are a team man they're that defense is scary once they get rolling um, you know, they, they recovered three fumbles. Um, they had the interception as well. You know, that, that defense is up there with one of the best in footballs. Phillip Rivers hobbled a little bit by an ankle injury, so we'll see how that plays out throughout the week. Um, but, you know, Jonathan, it was really Jonathan Taylor's breakout game. It was the first time, you know, all year that we've really seen a good game out of him. He had 90 yards and 22 carries. He had four catches for 24 yards. It was the first time it looked like they really trusted him with the offense. Um, as I told everybody in last week's podcast, don't play Naheem Hines. He does not perform well the week after he performs well. He's got eight, um, eight games in his fantasy football career or an NFL career where he's put up uh, double digit points. And in every single next game, he doesn't have a good game. And we saw that this week, but Michael Pittman, man, Michael Pittman's, he ran the most routes of any wide receiver in football last week. So that's something that, you know, he is, he, he's finally coming into that number one role out there. And that's something that's super inspiring to see. They've got a lot of young talent that looks really good right now. Um, This, this Colts team is going to be scary. Yeah. Like insanely well, what the Colts are doing, um, Terrific win against Green Bay, and I'm looking at the score box here right now. Um, you know, Trey Burton with the hell of a catch in the end zone. You know, uh, former Bears tight end. Uh, it, it, that was just an insane catch. I don't even want to talk about more about it. But um, 
There's also uh, that that insane route that uh, Michael um, Michael Pittman Jr. ran across um, in front of Philip Rivers' face, and he got the great line of blocking into the end zone, 45 yard touchdown right there, and like that's only three receptions, 66 yards, and a touchdown for him. And you know, I think after this week, fantasy wise, I think there could be a lot of pickups for Michael Michael Pittman there. So um, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, but like some other game, like this other game that I loved yesterday was the Titans and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, went into overtime. Uh, Derrick Henry got in. Um, I think it was a 30-yard touchdown or a 25-yard touchdown to end that overtime period. But uh, man, Derrick Henry, you know, is he going to run away with the Offensive Player of the Year? Um, it's definitely possible. I think there's a couple guys that are definitely in that conversation. Dalvin Cook being one of them, mm-hmm. um, who who might have something to say there. Um, but Derrick Henry, man, I, there's not a guy in football I don't want to have running at me full steam ahead. Um, he's, you know, he's he's showing that he's able to repeat the, you know, what we've seen from him in the past. His, you know, his average per carry isn't exactly uh, what it is up to his career. It's just just a hair shy of it, though. He's finally bringing that number up. But man, he's he's scary good, man. He's, you know. Offensive player of the year. He, he's definitely going to get the rushing title. Um, he's tied for third in TDs on the year. Um, you know, he's he's got the most rushing attempts in football. That offense very clearly runs through him. Like we said last week, you know, if you're relying on Tannehill to beat you, you know, the entire game with your arm with their current offensive line, I just didn't, don't see it happening a ton. But he still had a good game. He had 22. He was 22 for 31 for 260 and a, two touchdowns. Did throw that pick there, but it wasn't you know too bad. But, man, that team, that, that was a fun game to watch. That Ravens defense, you know, it's a combination of that Ravens defense not as, being as good as we've seen in years past and that Ravens offensive line playing, you know, playing down. They're not as, you know, they're a top maybe 25 offensive line this year. They're, they haven't looked that good. Yeah, um, I don't, like, that's, that's the thing. Like, I feel like, you know, that that offensive line of the Ravens, like, you know, after Staley got hurt, you know, I feel like his backup, you know, has a lot, a lot too much to handle. So um, after Ronnie Staley got hurt. So um, there's definitely a weak link there in that offensive line. Um, and, al- and also Ma- Marshall Yanda isn't there anymore in Baltimore. So, you know, there's there's two guys right there that you had last year. Um, that were strong forces on that offensive line. So, I mean, yeah, Lamar was running for his life after Jeffrey Simmons was running after him. So, um, and Harold Landry, I think. Um, but it, it just came out like in this game, um, in this division, the Titans and the Ravens, it, it really showed that this this game was the, the game that the Titans needed to win to try to compete with the Colts to win the division. Because right now it's the Colts division right now. Yeah, this was a, this was a good bounce back for the Titans after uh, after their last game. It was good to see. Um, we saw some really good things on both sides of on um, both sides of this game. Um, Mark Andrews had a huge game, five uh, five catches for ninety six yards and a touchdown. He's definitely starting to turn the corner again, get back to the the force that we saw last year. I'm happy to see J.K. Dobbins kind of run away with this uh, the, with the uh, lead back role mm-hmm. in this Baltimore offense. He had seven uh, fifteen carries for seventy yards and a touchdown. You know Ingram and and Edwards only had a combined five carries, so that was something that was nice to see. Um, I, I always like when these rookie running backs get drafted and then they finally get the opportunity to shine in an offense. And I think Dobbins is really doing that. 
Yeah, J.K. is a um, he's an insane um, fit to that offense. But also, let's talk about just a little bit about Lamar Jackson. I mean, his stat line was 17 of 29, 186 yards, and one touchdown and one interception. And you know, I feel like you know, if you have a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, he shouldn't be throwing the ball more than like 22 times a game. So, like, I don't know what Greg Roman is calling there on the sideline. I feel like, you know, you know, if you have Gus Edwards and you have J.K. Dobbins and you have a playmaker like Mark Andrews, you can, you know, you can run play action here and there and actually, you know, run the ball 15 to 25 times with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. I don't think there's a need for Lamar Jackson to throw 29 times. Um, like, you know, and in, in, in those opportunities, in those last, I think, last – 10 or 7 pass attempts he's running for his life so it's like he's trying to find someone open and he can't because you know the offensive line like you mentioned Jake for Baltimore doesn't hold up as long as it used to earlier in the season so um, I really hope that like you know Greg Roman understands like Lamar's play and he does um, by having him throw less than 23 times each game and rely more on the run game yeah I think a lot of it came down to game script um, but what we're seeing this year is a it's been a struggle for these Baltimore receivers to really do much. I mean, Des Bryant, obviously, he got picked up recently. Mm-hmm. He's coming in. He's, he's you know, tied for – he's second on the team in targets with five targets. You know, Willie Sneed and Andrews are getting seven targets apiece. But, you know, Marquise Brown, Hollywood, hasn't done really anything this year. Um, he's, you know, he's been a huge disappointment. He was, a you know, a top, you know, 15, 20, 25 wide receiver drafted in a lot of fantasy leagues. And he's been just disappointing overall. And they're definitely missing his, you know, dynamic presence in that offense. I think a lot of what we saw last year with Lamar's success throwing the ball was on these, you know, players getting open and players making things happen. It's just something we haven't seen. Um, you know, I th- I still think there was the the attack was pretty balanced this game. I I, I like the way that they used everybody, um, but you know, like you're like you're seeing here, I just feel like you know with this offensive line, you got to get Lamar moving a little bit more. You know, seeing a little bit more maybe you know triple option or read option plays. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these might be nice to see. Um, but the, you know, this Baltimore, it's a Baltimore team that's lost three in a row now. So they're definitely not going to be happy about that. And we're going to, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back, but their bounce back is going to be a bit of a struggle this week. Not, not only on a short week, but with 10 players and staff members put on, um, put on the COVID list today, Dobbins and Mark Ingram being two of them. So that, you know, Gus Edwards, you know, is it's going to be him and Justice Hill as their two active running backs, it looks like, this week, unless they bring a guy up from the practice squad. But, you know, this is a Ravens team that's going the wrong direction fast, and it might only get worse this week. Yeah, I think, like, we're seeing, like, what the Bears um, had, like, in 2019 right now with the Baltimore Ravens in 2020 because, you know, teams are starting to figure out what the Ravens are doing, and they're stop- and they're shutting it down really quickly. I mean, I think the Steelers' defense, I think at home – in Heinz Field, I think they're gonna they're gonna show the Baltimore Ravens how to play football because you know the Steelers are hidden on every cylinder right now. Like you saw, like I don't care if they played the J- Jacksonville Jaguars. It was like that was a te- like it wasn't a test, but I would say like that's a game that you can see like this team and what it can do on every cylinder because like the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's let's be real. The, the win the only win that they had was week one against the Colts they haven't won since and when you look at the Shags team yes they can you know punch you in the mouth a couple of times but then Pittsburgh can punch you harder in the mouth a couple of times and then take the game away from you so like 
like this this Steelers team, like I don't I don't see the I don't see anything in the AFC stopping stopping them. But they're they're just like they're clicking on every on every page. Like I don't know how you say it, but it's just it's just working out for them. Yeah, Everything. man, that, that Steelers team is scary. You know, they four picks this week defensively um, on top of a forced fumble with Jake Lutton. You've got an offense that's got three of, you know, three receivers who'd arguably be wide receiver ones on most teams in football. You know, Deontay Johnson can sit, continues to be one of the steals of the, the fantasy football leagues this year. Um, with his, his, his ADP was lower than a lot of these guys that we see busting right now. And he's going for, you know, he's averaging between, you know, 14 and 16 targets a week it seems like you know he's he's been a true focal point in this offense it's really you know he's he's what everybody hoped Juju would be you know Juju's starting to come around he didn't do as much in this game but he's you know he's been a dynamic receiver the past few weeks Chase Claypool is proving that he should not have fallen as far in the draft as he did um, we got Ebron coming around you know from the tight end spot James Conner's starting to look pretty good again you know this is a Steelers team that I don't want to play anytime soon um, and if I'm the Baltimore Ravens this week, I am shaking in my boots. Yeah, and you also forgot, like, you know, a, a sleeper in that offense, James Washington. Pretty sure he's on there, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. He's he's a guy that I was super high on coming into the yeah. year. Um, I didn't think – I think he – I thought he would be more in the role that Claypool has ended up in, but I think Claypool has just kind of earned that playing time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, their fourth receiver is better than basically everybody on the Bears not named – Allen Robinson. Robinson. I mean, right. James Washington's a, you know, he's a talented guy. So, you know, he's a, he's a big part of that offense too, when they go four wide sets, but you know, man, it's, it's this, that's a scary team. That's just a flat out scary team. Even if their wide receivers are better than our wide receivers, I don't even see that what they can do with our offense right now. Like, like, you know, there's a lot of people are like, Oh, Chase, Chase Claypool. Why did we draft him over Cole Komet? What, 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 what would have Chase Claypool bought to this offense that we have right now? Probably nothing. With the same thing, what Cole Komet is bringing to our offense because our coaches, like I don't play calling wise. I think I think Nagy is a great coach. We'll get back to the other stuff, but like like Bears fans, forget about this stuff. You can say you what you want about a different player, but the Steelers and how it's going for them, they're they're an insane team. But then when you look at the Bears, yeah, they're, they're a scary team, man. Yeah. But then when you look at the Bears, dude, like you put you take Chase Claypool from the Steelers and you throw him on this Bears team. Let's just say the Steelers got Cole Komet. I guarantee you Cole Komet has seven touchdowns in in Pittsburgh right now. And Chase Claypool doesn't have a single touch, maybe a one touchdown in Chicago. Like it, it changed the dynamics of things when it, when you talk about, you know, oh, we should have drafted this player, but that player is actually doing really well for a 10-0 team, which is undefeated right now. But then you take the same number of stats with that 10-0 team and you try to fit it with this Bears team. It's, it's just illogical to me when people do that. Yeah, man. It's I mean, obviously, hindsight's always 20-20. Um, a lot of people, I think myself included, really could have seen um claypool get converted to a tight end in an nfl offense you know he's got the size for it but he's proving that his speed is you know his speed on the perimeter is just as good as anybody out there you know he ran a 4 4 40 for a yeah. reason so he's you know i think he's proving a lot of people wrong you know he was definitely raw you know talent wise when he, coming into the league too so it's really nice to see him shine but yeah i mean the only the only impact player that a bear this bears team could have drafted in in place of commit maybe um you know, maybe taking a lineman there probably would have helped us yeah. as, as bad as our offensive line's been. Um, and then uh, Winfield Jr., you know, he's probably the only other guy that you really could see 
you know, having impacted the roster, you know, in any way, shape or form. Um, but even then, you know, our, our defense is, hasn't been our problem here. It's been our offense. It's been our offensive line. And, and, you know, not too many guys, you know, Claypool doesn't change this offense. Like yeah, said. he doesn't. He doesn't change this offense. Like maybe he changes like a tiny minuscule of it, but he doesn't. He doesn't bring um, that element that the Bears are looking for. He does, like he does, but I don't think the Bears are good at like displaying those elements on Sundays, uh, if that makes sense. Um, but like, uh, like this last game, and we'll move into it. But like you know, like. This week, week eleven, like let's let's talk about that that Sunday night game, Patrick Mahomes versus Derek Carr. Bro, these oh I God. love I love watching these two teams play each other. It's like the I swear it's the only time that the Chiefs look like a beatable team is when they play the Raiders. Yeah, you know you watch these you watch them play other teams and they just absolutely like they just mop the floor with them, but then. You see them play this Raiders teams, and John Gruden seems to have Andy Reid's number to an extent. You're seeing guys go off that, you know, I'll talk about them a little bit later, but you see guys like Nelson Aguilar going off. You see guys like, you know, Darren Waller controlling a game. You know, Josh Jacobs didn't have a great game, but he had a good enough game. Um, but you see, and then, you know, you look at the defense, and neither team, you know, neither team turned the ball over a ton. Each team had one pick, um, you know, a couple punts here and there, but. It was really just a game that came down to, you know, this Kansas City offense is very, very good. Um, and that's ultimately what, you know, won them the game. But it's it's fun watching those two teams play football, man. Yeah, I this Kansas City Chiefs team, like, um, it's just, it's crazy. Because, like, it's coached by one of the best coaches in the league. But then when you look across the scoreboard and you look at the Oakland Raiders, I'm like, let's not discount John Gruden here, folks. John Gruden... Is a hell of a head coach too, and like he yeah he got a he got a ten ten year ten million or ten year hundred million dollar contract for a reason you know, and ownership in the, the team in the league yeah and yeah. ownership in the team so I mean like you know Mark Davis or whoever who is whoever is running the team there in Oakland they're like sorry Las Vegas now um, they're doing they, I guess they know what they're doing I think the old man st- uh, the, Al, Al passed away ten years ago or fifteen years ago and now it's like all right. You know, let's spend some money. Let's get some guys in here that know football. You know, they hired Mike Mayock, who people really wrote off a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they hired John Gruden, who people, again, wrote off. And it's like, oh, well, who would give a guy 10 years, 100 million, and 10% of a football team? And then two years later, look at them, you know. And it's like they're even better than they were with Jack Del Rio and Reggie Mc- McKenzie. Let me make that clear. Like with Amari Cooper, no, so, fuck. Not Amari Cooper, man. With that team, with Darren, with Darren, um, Darren Waller, with Josh Jacobs, with all these players that they have, with all with with the with the three picks that they had after we traded for Khalil Mack, uh, they got Clem Farrell, they got Josh Jacobs, and they got John Abrams. I don't know how Farrell's doing, but the other two players that they picked, uh, John Abrams and Josh Jacobs, fantastic players. Honestly, John Abrams is all over the field. You didn't see him his first year because he had a injury. But that that man, he's balling right now at the safety position for the Raiders. Yeah, man, that this you know this is another team that, like you're saying, you know they kind of built themselves a little, built up through the draft. They took, you know, they took on some players who, you know, especially a guy like in Darren Waller, a guy who's battled drug addiction, a guy who's battled, mm-hmm. you know, some some demons of his own outside of football. You know, they built this roster kind of from the ground up. They built, you know, they built a roster that. 
is exactly what John Gruden wanted. They give, they really gave him the keys to the castle here, um, and they they built a you know a damn good team. Um, obviously, you know not to say that you know the team that they're playing, Kansas City. You've got Travis Kelsey, the best tight end in football. You can make the Kittle argument. I'll tell you you're wrong every single day. Tyreek Hill, who, you know, who needs to say anymore? You, you say Tyreek Hill, you know he went for 100 yards and a touchdown. Like, it's just, it seems like it's an every game, game thing for him. But this is, a, this is a Raiders team that I think is surprising a lot of people. They're surprising me. You know, I had him at, you know, I had him at a, as a 9-16 and 16 coming into the year, or a 9-7 and 17, sorry. So, I, you know, I had him as a good team, but not a great team. But they're they're really proving us wrong. They're really proving me wrong. And they're really showing, you know, that they can be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, and, like, you look at the players that they have, like the um, the ones that I mentioned, the addition ones here, Henry Ruggs, they drafted him in the first round. They got that little speed threat. They have a old tight end named Jason Witten who played for the Dallas Cowboys all those years and catching those toe-tap touchdowns like he just did on Sunday. Um, you know, they got DeMond Arnett, a cornerback that many people thought that, like, he's not he wasn't going to be that good, but he's turning out to be that cornerback that people look at now as one of the best cornerbacks in that draft. Hunter Renfro, undrafted. Um, and also a walk-on at Clemson. So, I mean, this, man, this Raiders team, man, like, little, I think they can compete. And they can compete with the Chiefs. And like uh, like you said, every time the Chiefs and Raiders play, it's going to be a good game. 72 points in their earlier contest. And then just um, just a couple of days ago, 66 points. I took the under. Yell at me all you want. I lost $125 on the under. Um, wish I took the over. But, yeah. It happens. It definitely does. I took the over for what it's worth. Damn it. All right. But, like, yeah, man. Like, you know, like, just week 11, man. Like, I, I keep on saying it. The redundancy. You know, the Lions got shut out. The Lions, you suck. I'm sorry out there. Uh, but, you know, the Patriots, they played a great game against the Texans. You know, the Dolphins and Broncos. That was kind of a slow game, but... Uh, the Broncos prevailed. Um, Jets, Chargers, we already know who's going to win that game. Jets, just kidding, Chargers. Um, Cowboys and Vikings had a crazy finish. Um, but last but, but last, la- but not least, let's, let's talk about this Monday night game before we move into the fantasy fantasy football news and all that. Yeah, man. I mean, what do, what do we have to say besides, you know, the Rams wide receivers setting a team record. First time in team history, they had two receivers with over 10 catches and 100 yards. You got Cooper Cup going 11 catches for 145 yards on 13 targets. Bobby Trees going 12 catches for 130 yards and a touchdown on 15 targets. You know, this is a this is a Rams offense, and when it's kicking like this, uh, you know, passing the ball anyway, you know, they're hard to stop. Their rushing game, who knows what they're doing. Cam Akers is clearly the most talented running back in that backfield. He only gets five carries. Malcolm Brown, arguably at best, should just be a goal line back for him, even though he's shown he can be a little bit more. Darrell Henderson, five yards on eight carries. Uh, you know, so he's what is he doing with the football? Nothing. Um, not this game anyway. You know, neither team did a lot rushing. It was it was a passing battle. And we saw, you know, Tom Brady hasn't looked good these past few weeks. He's 0 for 22 on his on, on balls over, I think it was over 20 yards. He's 0 for mm-hmm. his last 22. You know, his his deep ball's not looking good, and it's making that offense look bad. You know, anytime Antonio Brown, a guy who was not on an NFL roster four weeks ago, is leading the team in targets and receptions, that's a bad sign. Um, and this ultimately ended up being a game of the Rams' defense didn't break on Tom Brady, and they, they, they were able to contain Brady towards the end there. 
Yeah, and like uh, like like you mentioned, like you know, this is one of uh, Tom Brady's uh, really bad games, but you know, he got some of those uh, garbage yards at the end there. But like you know, um, Tom Brady, like he, he his stat line was twenty six of forty eight, um, two hundred sixteen yards, two touchdowns, and two picks. Um, and man, like I. I saw those two picks and it's just like what 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 did you see? And like when and then after the game, Bruce Arians comes out and says it's a misread of the coverage on the offense. You know? And he's been doing that for the last couple of weeks because he also the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he's like, What the what the hell are you seeing out there? Like He's like, seen ghosts, man. He's, yeah. he's got he's got his Sam Darnold eyes in. Yeah, and it's just like, wait, like uh, you, you you threw straight to the D B, right? And then um, I think it was Johnson, I believe it was. Um, and, and like Chris Godwin, his break was right. I think it was. Everything was right. And then Tom Brady just threw it like on the opposite side of him, like not on his side, but on the opposite side for the Rams to make a play. And then Tom Brady, I guess, uh, what, he, what else he did in this game was he, he threw a pass got batted, caught it, and threw it again, got completed. It was like probably one of the best plays that I will ever see, but will never count. So, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. This Tom Brady experiment, I mean, like, yeah, they are 7-4, and four, but then they got a tough matchup against the Chiefs. And that, that one's in, um, I believe, uh, Tampa Bay, which still, I mean, this Rams game was in Tampa Bay. And the Rams, uh, they had no problem with Seattle a week before. No problem against these Buccaneers. Um, the Buccaneers are going to have problems against the Chiefs next week. Yeah, man. If their running game can't compete like they have, you know, these these past couple of weeks, their running game hasn't been great. Um, you know, we see guys like Ronald Jones, who has his huge, massive weeks where he's over 100 yards. He's breaking 98-yard touchdown runs. 10 carries for 24 yards. Leonard Fournette. You know, arguably their their big offseason acquisition besides Brady, um, you know, seven carries for 17 yards. He did have the touchdown. But, you know, when your long run of the game is six yards, you know, it's, it, Brady's not going to beat you throwing the ball 50 times. He's, he doesn't have the arm that he used to. Mm-hmm. Clearly, his his inability to, to connect on these deep balls this year is turning into a problem. You know, the, this is a Buccaneers team that has a lot of really good and a lot of really bad um, kind of all at once. You know, their defense hasn't looked as good. Defenses, you know, not to say they haven't looked good. You know, Jason Pierre-Paul, you know, firework accident and all. He's still able to pick the ball off. You got Whitehead who got a pick as well. So, I mean, this is a team that's, you know, they have a lot of good, but they need to come together. Um, this Chiefs this Chiefs game this week is going to be a real contest for them, and it's really going to, you know, it's going to come down to can the offense perform. We know this defense can be really good, and this defense can be shut down. It's going to be on Tom Brady to, you know, start connecting on some of these balls, you know, get Evans open in coverage, you know, rely on Godwin to make things happen a little bit more. But, you know, when you've got, you know, 26 completions and you're at 209 or yeah, 209 yards, um, you know, it's not going to look good overall. Yeah. I mean, every time I saw Tom Brady throw the ball, it's like either like a seven yard completion that turns into like a 12 yard pass play or like a ball that just like falls onto the turf and bounces off to the sideline. So it's like, you know, and then, you know, the drops by Leonard Fournette doesn't help either, but, like, what what good would, would they have done, you know? It's like, you know, Ronald Jones couldn't get the running game going despite the fact the Rams couldn't get it going either. But then again, you can't get mad at L- Leonard Fournette for dropping three passes when you yourself can't make the passes um, that you need to and when they're wide open as well So and underthrown. So... Yeah, tough game for the Chiefs. I mean, 
not not the Chiefs. Sorry, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think this this Chiefs game for them next week on the 29th will be really easy, relatively easy for the Chiefs. I think if they can stop the run, yeah. it, the Chiefs will win. Yeah, if you can shut like so, I pulled up this the stats on Brady um, on his deep passes. So balls of 20 or more air yards. He's 0 for his last 22. Since uh, going back to week five, he's three for his last 36. And all three of those completions were in week seven against the Raiders. So he's, you know, and to compare, you know, weeks one through seven, he was 14 of 39 on on these same passes, two touchdowns, 101 passer rating. And since week eight, he's done nothing on these deep balls. So, you know, this is a team that they have a lot of talent. They obviously have some super talented wide receivers in Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Evans. But this is a team where if Tom Brady's not completing deep balls, like they're going to struggle, and that's what we're seeing. So this this Chiefs game is going to be a struggle too, I think. Um, this is a Chiefs defense that's, I think, underrated. You know, we mm-hmm. just did see him give up 31 points to the Raiders. But this is a Chiefs defense that can, you know, they step up when they need to. And this is going to be something that, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what what happens here. Yeah, definitely. And like you know, when we talk about the Buccaneers, last four games: the Giants, the Saints, the Panthers, and the Rams. You know, the Saints absolutely obliterated them. Uh, the Panthers, I mean, they're not really a good team. Forty six twenty three. The Rams, good team. Uh, Rams beat them, and they only lost. They only beat the Giants by two. So it's not like you know the Buccaneers are not beatable. But with Tom Brady and that daunting offense, they're definitely beatable. Um, because of that, of the quarterback that they have. Like, if they had, like, a much athletic quarterback, a person that they can, you know, pull out of the pocket and run around and stuff, you know, I think that would be a, a team that's much, much harder to beat, but they, they don't have that facility. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, moving on to our fantasy advice, um, you know, I mean, I started Curtis Samuel, the advice that you gave me two weeks ago, and I won my fantasy matchup. Um, there you go. So... And Patrick Mahomes, that last second touchdown to uh, Travis Kelsey. Um, I don't think Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the league right now, but like with Darren Waller emerging and all that stuff, uh, gotta keep that best uh, best talk on the sidelines for right now. Um, but definitely, what do you? I'll, I'll, so at least from a fantasy perspective, it's definitely Kelsey. Yeah. Um, but the yeah, game. He's... I mean, I, I think Kelsey's, you know, probably a better blocker a little bit than Waller. I think Waller yeah. obviously is a little bit faster. He's a little bit more athletic. Um, not to knock, you know, Kelsey's athleticism yeah. at all. But Waller Waller definitely is probably the most, you know, physically talented wide receiver or tight end in football. But Kelsey's the best performing right now, man. But when, when we look at week 11, um, you know, some of the things that we saw, we saw Kamara's worst game of the year. We saw a bunch of injuries. We got Rex Burkhead and Joe Burrow, you know, prayers to their knees, man. They're yeah. likely done for the rest of the year. Um, Burrow might even, you know, we've seen it come out now as ACL, MCL, UCL, and his meniscus. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Burrow miss part of, if not all of 2021 as well. Um, I think the Bengals will especially be safe with him. You know, just want to, you know, get that knee right. Burkheads, he's probably going to be done for the year. You know, Julio, he's seems like he's hurt every other week. Um, we got guys like, you know, Marquise Brown who are completely irrelevant. You know, finally, we're seeing, you know, Zeke and CeeDee Lamb come back to form here. Um, Nelson Aguilar, you know, I'll talk about him in a second here um, when I get to my, you know, my the players that you should be looking out for in week 12. But, you know, looking back at week 11, man, it was a weird week of fantasy football for me. I went four and one in active in leagues that are still active for me. Um, we had two leagues that this was our playoffs, uh, just shorter leagues that I joined for fun. Um, but four and one, um, you know, my team was low performing this week i'll be honest you know i only put up about a 
111 points. Um, would have beat nobody in my league but the guy that I did beat. So thankfully I played who I played. Um, but looking at this week 12, man, there's, you know, this is an interesting fantasy outlook. Um, sounds like we're not going to have Christian McCaffrey again. So fire up the Mike Davis train yet again. Um, we do have, you know, Raheem Mostert was designated to return from the IR today. So we might see him come back. Um, so that's something to, you know, look at. And then um, when it comes to kind of players that, you know, I have a lot of questions about now are Tyler Boyd and Alvin Kamara. You know, Alvin Kamara, obviously running back one um, in PPR formats this year. Um, he's, you know, arguably the best player in football. That's, you know, you could probably make the argument for Dalvin Cook there as well. But Kamara has been, you know, pretty consistent this year. We saw a down week from him. Like I said earlier, maybe that's, you know, load management with the foot. Um, maybe it's load man. Maybe it's, you know, Taysom Hill since he's got a, you know, as much as we knock his arm and his arm strength, it's a, it's more arm strength than we've seen out of Drew Brees this year. Um, so maybe, you know, this offense changes with Taysom Hill under center and Kamara kind of falls down a little bit. Um, and then Tyler Boyd, you know, he's been wide receiver 11 in PPR this year. Um, he's putting up great numbers pretty much all year. But with Joey, with Joey B being out of the game now, how does that change things? Do we continue to trust Boyd? I think we do. Um, it'd be interesting to hear your take on that. You know, I think he's still clearly the wide receiver one in that offense. AJ Green's been next to nothing here. T Higgins is really his only competition for targets, but you know, it'll be an interesting week to look at when it comes to just some of the big names out here. And, you know, let's not, let's not also, let's not, um, knock the backup QB for the Bengals either. Um, Ryan Finley last year before Joe Burrow was on the Bengals. I mean, he, he could throw, you know, Ryan Finley. And like you mentioned, um, Tyler Boyd and possibly even AJ green, you know, there's value here on fantasy football. Like, you know, he's going to throw, if he has a little time, he's going to throw that football and hopefully, um, you know, Giovanna Bernard, especially with, um, Joe Mixon on IR, you know, he's going to get those, uh, catches, um, AJ Green's going to get those catches and also Tyler Boyd is going to get those catches like you mentioned but I but I think that you know Tyler Boyd actually might get the most of those looks and targets because of how AJ Green is playing I mean not to knock AJ Green he's had a decent career but you know injuries has really set him back a little bit and from mm. what's going on this year and what's going on on the sideline week one, he, like I think like some person lip read what he said, just trade me or something like that. I don't think yeah. he wants to be there, but like, then again, AJ green is um ap- approaching that 31 to 32 age. So it's like, you know, who's gonna pick him up. I mean, of, of course someone's going to pick him up and use him for his qualities, but like, you know, your prime is past you, bud. Um, yeah. so it's like, you know, take what you can get from Cincinnati uh, and get those yards um, and rack up your season totals. So, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how that game plays out. But um, so moving on, kind of talk about some of the players that I think you have to add um, or at least have to consider adding in this coming week. Um, Gus Edwards, he's like we talked about earlier with J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram going on the COVID list today. It's going to be the Edwards, the uh, the Gus bus, as I've seen it called. Uh, on Twitter. Um, he's only owned in 14% of ESPN leagues. So if you're in a deeper league um, or if you, you know, you need a guy, you know, who might be able to do something this week, even against the Pittsburgh defense that, you know, is a daunting defense. This is a Baltimore team that loves to run the ball. So, you know, Gus Edwards, he's, he's a guy I'm looking at. You're my only true, like must add this week is the Giants defense. 
not to knock Ryan Finley, not to knock the tools on this Bengals offense, but Finley's going to come into an offense that's built for Joe Burrow with a poor offensive line. And this is a Giants team that's getting players back from injury. There's getting players back from, you know, you know, poor, perform, poor performance. You have guys starting to come around. This is a Giants defense that's currently projected like 13 points on Yahoo, which is unheard of. Um, so this is a Giants team, you know, not overly owned in most leagues. Um, in fact, let me pull it up here. But they're, you know, they're a defense that I think you have to add this week. Um, yeah, they're only owned in 21.6% of uh, ESPN leagues. So they're uh, an ad, especially, you know, if you're if you're a defensive streamer guy, if you're not, uh, you know, running, you know, a Bears defense or a Pittsburgh defense each week, you know, they're definitely somebody to watch out for. James White only owned in about 35% of ESPN leagues with Rex Burkhead out. Sony Michelle still not off the IR. We're fi- I think we're finally going to see the James White that we saw last year, getting a majority of the passing down work, touching the ball here and there, for rushing purposes. And then two wide receivers real quick I want to talk about. Nelson Aguilar and Brashad Perriman. Neither, neither of these guys are owned in more than 17% of ESPN leagues, and they're both really turning into their team's favorite receivers. Aguilar has more catches at 25 yards this year than he's had during his entire career with Carson Wentz at quarterback. He's beating guys in coverage. He almost had a nifty, you know, diving catch in the end zone this week too for another touchdown. But this is a guy who's slowly creeping up the wide receiver numbers this year and is really, you know, really turning into an impressive receiver. He's got multiple games over 20 points this year, turning into a real deep threat for that offense. And that's the same for Brashad Perriman. Perriman's very clearly the preferred target of uh, Joe Flacco down there. So if Flacco's on the lineup, I think you should be adding Perriman to your rosters too. Getting the targets, he's getting deep balls. It's This is something that, you know, I think Perriman's slowly turning into a guy to add, especially in deeper leagues. Yeah, definitely. But but to add to your running back list, like I got Salvin Ahmed uh, from uh, Miami. Um, you know he's taken over that backfield with Miles with Miles Gaskin with his knee out. Um, he out touched uh, Matt Breida, seventeen to two, I think eighteen to two against the Broncos, and he managed like over seventy yards in that game. Uh, but like you know he's got this. Um, he got this opportunity against the uh, against the Jets. He did pretty well, actually. So I mean, you know, if um, you know Miles Gag- Miles Gaskin continues to, to rehab that knee, and if Matt Breida is not in the conversation of taking over his role, Salvin Ahmed is another that I would actually you know consider picking up. But Jake, is there anything else in terms of fantasy that you like to provide? Yeah, one one with one thing that I do want to talk about. If you don't have one of these elite quarterbacks, um, your your Kyler Murray's, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, a guy to look at picking up going forward is Ryan Tannehill. Um, he's available in a good portion of ESPN leagues. He's only owned in a sixty-seven percent league, so about thirty percent of a little over thirty percent of the leagues he's available in. But if you look at after this week, they have the Colts defense this week that they're playing, so obviously a tough matchup for him. But past that, Cleveland. Jacksonville, Detroit, Green Bay. I can't think of a better, like a quarterback with an easier schedule coming into the playoffs for a lot of a lot of leagues. So you know, Tannehill's definitely a guy to keep your eye on if he's out there and your quarterback's you know underperforming. You know, a guy like myself who has Lamar Jackson in quite a few leagues, he's a guy I'm looking you know I'm looking to add just because he does have you know such an, an easy schedule the rest of the way. Yeah, definitely. I, I really think that, like, you know, Tennessee can benefit from that easy schedule. And, like, you know, we have that saying that, like, you know, there's not an easy game in the NFL, but we're just, folks, we're just going by strength of, strength of schedule, and Tennessee has one of the easiest schedules out there after the bye. So, um, yeah, but definitely, let, let's move into our locks and dogs. Um, 
of week 12, you know, and talk about the week 12 games as well. And then we can get into Packer week and then we can talk about our bets for week 12 as well. So, uh, Jake, let's just dive deep right into it. Uh, Packer week, we'll start with that. What are your expectations? What are we going to do? Um, should I cry this Sunday night or should I be cheering in pain or pride? Uh, I'm going to go with cheer and pain. You know, um, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm hopeful here. You know, there is a chance, you know, it'll, it'll ultimately depend on our offense. You know, if our offense performs, our defense can keep us in any game. Um, (laughs) hopefully we get Montgomery back from the concussion. Hopefully he's able to clear protocol and he's able to, um, you know, be out on the field. Um, I kind of hinted at this on Twitter for anybody who follows me. I've watched a lot of film and I've come to a conclusion here that I do at this point in the season, think you have to at least give Trubisky another shot in this offense. Um, You know me, I'm a huge Nick Foles fan. I think he's got a lot to offer this offense. But this is, you know, now is the time to make the move. You know, if you make the move in two weeks from now, it's it's at what? You know, we lose two games in a row. We're five and seven. At at that point, you're just very clearly playing Trubisky so that you don't hit the escalators in Nick Foles' contract. Mm you know, I think, you know, we overestimate how much of an impact Trubisky can have with his legs. I think a lot of people do anyway, but I do think that he can um, offer something to this team. Um, I do think he's got something to offer this offense. Um, and at this point, you might as well. Um, you know, Foles is, he's running, he's, you know, when he gets time in the pocket, he's doing well, but he's not getting time in the pocket. The last game that we saw from him was one of the worst ones that we've seen him play this year. Um, even that, but you know, I personally think it's time to make a switch, which is something I didn't think I would say all year. Um, but you know, I, you got to give something a try and now's the time to do it when you're, you know, excuse me, um, when you're, you know, 500 fighting the Packers versus when you're, you know, three game, two or three games under 500, just trying to get through the rest of your season. No, I completely agree with that, Jake. I mean, I think, you know, like, honestly, you know, I was really excited when the Bears traded for Nick Foles, fourth round pick. I really thought that, like, you know, Nick Foles, if he was given the opportunity, he could come out and actually, you know, change this offense. But, you know, I feel like, you know, this offensive line and all that and all the issues with the offensive line, you know, you can't really make a play. But like, like Jake said, you know, with the clean pocket, he can make plays. We saw that against the Buccaneers and the Saints when he's had a clean pocket. But, like, when he doesn't, you know, bad things happen. So, uh, like I said earlier in this podcast, every football player is human. No one's a robot, you know. Everyone goes home and they take a shower and they go to bed and the next day repeats. So, you know, Nick Foles, you know, like, if he got hit again with that collarbone and he's hurt like he did uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, a lot of Bears fans were scared about losing him for the season. Um, but then you're left with Tyler Bray and Mitch Trubisky. But at that time, Mitch Trubisky was also hurt with the shoulder injury. So you're going with Tyler Bray. So I, I really think that, like, this Sunday, I think it's Nick Foles. But then if they lose this game, then, like, you, you're not hurting yourself to go back to Trubisky. I mean, like, just prop up his value and then, you know, we'll have another team in FA sign him in March. There you go. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, when it comes to the injury, obviously we saw that scary-looking hit on Nick mm-hmm. Foles. Luckily, it turned out to be nothing too bad. Yeah. Um, I was kind of suspicious when I saw it, the way he was kind of moving around. I thought maybe it was like a sciatic nerve 
um, impingement, which it looks like it definitely might have been, especially with the hit pointer that he seems to have come out with from it. So that definitely could have been part of it. Um, Nagy said yesterday it's too soon whether we're going to see Foles or Trubisky this week. But, you know, if he's healthy, man, I, I think I got to give Mitch a run here just to see what happens. You know, I, it, this is the point in the season where you're playing the Packers if you beat them out of first place in the division. I think this is the time where you really have to make something happen. And at this point, I'm ready to throw up a prayer. Yeah, definitely. Like, I don't really, you know, like you, you like, let me put it, let me put it this way. You got nothing to lose if you play Mitch. So it's like, you know, just do it. You know, I mean, like, you know, I feel like, you know, I, they took him out too early, maybe like then again, um, we beat that, we beat the Falcons in week three. So it's like, I, I kind of threw Mitch in my rear view mirror, but now it's like, all right. I mean, throw him in. He can't be bad than what we got. You know, everyone in March or April of this year thought that like Nick Foles was this uh, Eagles winning QB, Super Bowl winning QB that we're going to get. So there you go. Um, you know, things got to fall in place for that to work. So. Yeah, man, looking at this game, you know, I think it's going to be a tough game for us to win. Um, you know, the odds are not in our favor at all. Uh, the matchup for 70% of people picking the Packers to win, and I think that's a fair assumption. Um, you know, Green Bay is an eight and a half point favorite. Um, yeah, man, it's it's going to be hard to uh, hard to win this game. I think we could pull it out, but um, as of right now, man, I don't see it happening. I I predict the game's probably going to end 31-17 for the Packers. Yeah, I'm right on the money there with that score prediction. But give me the Packers 35 to 17. I really think that Rodgers is going to have five touchdowns this game, and I'll tell you why. Like, you know, it's not going to happen in the first first half. He's, the score is going to be really close in the first half, folks. It's going to start to pull away in the second, third quarter because we do absolutely nothing in the third quarter. So don't expect this Bears team to do anything coming out of the coming out of the half. Um, that's where you're going to get three touchdowns in that quarter from Aaron Rodgers. And he's going to have four, and then he's going to ha- and then he's going to add his fifth in the fourth quarter like he normally does. So, uh, I mean, this this it's going to take a lot to beat this Green Bay team. you got to stop Aaron Jones, and if you stop him, you got to stop Jamal Williams. Great. Um, and then you have Alan Lazard coming back. You have uh, M- M- um, Marquez Valdez-Gantin. You also have... Um, St. Brown, Equimius Brown, who plays there too. And then you also have, uh, damn, there's so many players, uh, playmakers on this uh, Green Bay team. Jay Sternberger, he's going to be there too. So I'm like, the, the Bears have their um, um, play full here for this game. But like I said, 35-17, offense just needs to show me something. They haven't all year. Um, well, the fans for that matter. So hopefully... They could show us something and try to win this game, but I, I don't see it. Uh, let's just hope our bets hit this week. Yeah, I just want to, like, at this at this point, dude, I, I'm just, like, I turned my entire season into a betting standpoint. Um, so, like, as we bring that up, folks, we're going to move into our betting section. So, Jake, what do you got for us, man? What, what are the props? I didn't take your props last week, and I'm kicking myself for it. Um, so, what do you got, man? Yeah, man, bets went good for me last week, up about two, uh, 2.7 units. Um, so a good good little return last week for me. Um, this week, um, you know, I've got a few games I'm, I'm kind of sprinkling here and there. I'm taking, you know, there's a lot of matchups that I really don't like this week when it comes to gambling. Um, a lot that I do like, too. So it'll be a little bit less than usual. But my lock for the week, man, we've talked about them a ton earlier. This Steelers team, man. 
they look so damn good right now. They're they're just you know on both sides of the ball. They're really just showing out, really impressing. And this like is like we talked about is a Ravens team that's going to be missing their two their two uh, lead running backs. They are missing multiple other players, both offensively and defensively, due to the COVID list. They have coaches. They might not get a single practice in before they play the Steelers game um, because they're being kept out of their facility. They had a walkthrough today. Um, or supposed to have a walkthrough today, but with all the COVID tests, I don't think that happened. You know, I don't see a world in which this Ravens team can even really put up a fight. So my lock for this week is the Steelers, and I've got them at uh, minus 110. Perfect pick. Um, and also, uh, Jake, your underdog, what do you got? Yeah, so my underdog this week, um, looking at it, um, we were talking before the pod, and I, you know, I switched this around quite a few times. There's a few teams that I do really like this week. Um, from that underdog role. Um, but for me, the one that I see having the best chance of actually winning their game is the Carolina Panthers. Um, this is a Panthers team that um, they're, you know, four and a half point underdogs this week. Um, this is a Panthers team that, you know, has a lot of potential as we've seen, you know, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore's really turned it around. He's slowly, you know, creeping up wide receiver rankings for me this week. Um, Curtis Samuel, he's, you know, multiple 20 point weeks in the last four or five weeks here. Um, Mike Davis finally had another decent game at running back. Um, I have a stat, um, which is I've posted quite a few times on Twitter. And if you know, follow me on Twitter, you know that I really like it when teams use whoever their lead running back is as a lead running back. In games when Mike Davis has more than 20 touches this year as the starting running back, the Carolina Panthers are 4-0. In games where he has 20 or less touches, they have not won a game. So this is a, you know, this is a team that that thrives on using their their lead running back as a running back maybe we see robbie uh not robbie anderson um teddy bridgewater back this week pj walker looked pretty good wasn't so great in the red zone but he still looked pretty good you know team that's got the tools to beat a vikings team off offensively anyway defensively it'll be a struggle you know one of the worst rush defenses of football going against alvin cook but i think the panthers probably are my favorite underdog this week how about you aj well i got um as my luck, I got Houston going against Detroit Lions. I mean, I really think that like Houston brings it this uh, this week here. Uh, definitely, they're playing good football after they they fired up uh, Bill O'Brien. So, um, and Cornell is their uh, interim head coach. So, Houston's my lock with the spread and the money line. I might put together a same game parlay, which I'll fleet out uh, this um, this Wednesday or right before the game. Uh, check that out as well. Uh, my underdog for this week is the Titans, and I really think the Titans can actually uh, win this game. And actually, we were talking about the Titans um, uh, a couple minutes before we were talking about our betting picks, and I really think that this Titans team can actually come out and act um, and make a statement because now, now is the time for Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, John Smith, and Corey Davis to do what they do. Play December football and play that like that November-ish type in December football. We saw it last year where they literally just uh, destroyed their competition until the playoffs, until the AFC Championship to be precise. And I really think like this, this Titans team with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback and with Derrick Henry, that unstoppable beast, give me the Titans plus three and a half and that plus money money line. 
Yeah, man, that'll be a good game. Um, he, that was one of the the many games that I like the underdog for. Another one that I kind of do like the underdog for, and I definitely was considering um, betting this way. Uh, this was probably more of a surprise underdog for me, but I think I like the Eagles. Eagles plus five this week against the Seahawks. You know, this is an Eagles team that's slowly getting healthy. They're getting their talent back there. Carson Wentz has looked horrible this year. You know, outside of a couple games here and there, he's been pretty bad. But this is Seattle defense is beatable. Um, so that's at least one other underdog that I like this week. And then one other game that I'm definitely going to be betting on is I'm going to definitely be betting uh, San Francisco plus seven, um, especially if Raheem Mostert's back. Um, you know, he, he truly changes that offense. He's still their leading rusher, and he's played like five games this year. Um, you know, he's, he's clearly the most talented running back in that backfield. Um, so that's a game that I'm definitely looking forward to as well. What are some of the games that you're looking forward to for um, Thanksgiving, man? Um, definitely, I'm going to be at my parents' house as well on Thursday watching some games with Wet Pops. Um, but what are you liking for um, this uh, Thursday? Um, who's going to win? So if I if you're making me pick all three and throw it into a parlay, which is something that I'm already probably going to do, Same. Um, I'm, I'm going to follow you on the Texans. I think Texans are going to handle Detroit. Um, it'll be it'll depend mostly on if Stafford's, you know, he didn't look that good. You know, he isn't dealing with that injury. Um, if, and if DeAndre Swift's back, I think it changes things a little bit. But I do like the Texans a lot. Um, in the second game, I think it could go either way. Um, the Washington football team really hasn't impressed me a ton um, with Alex Smith at quarterback. And Dalton looked pretty good this last game. You know, he finally got some of his, his guys back and you know, guys back working well. We saw a great game and a great catch out of Steedy Lamb, probably the best Ooh. catch of the year so far. Um, we saw Zeke and, and and even Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard, who outscored Alvin Kamara this week. Um, you know, he's, you know, this is a Dallas team that's got a lot of threats, so I'll probably go Dallas there as well. And then we know I'm Steelers, you know, picking the Steelers this week. So, you know, I think the favorites are probably going to sweep the board this week. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know, you know, how much I trust that, but... You know, this is, you know, we've talked about how scary this Steelers team is. I don't see the Ravens standing a chance. I don't see Washington beating Dallas. Lions, you know, Lions could beat the Texans if everything goes right, but I'll go with the three favorites this week. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm with three favorites too. I mean, like, the, the only game that I see or the only two games that I see that, like, could be close are the Washington, Washington um, football team and the Dallas Cowboys or the te Texans and the, and the Lions. I really think, like, those those games are going to be decided between under four points or, or a field goal. Um, like, I got to – it's just going to be – these are like – in my parlay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do Texans, Dallas, and Steelers. But, like, like, like you mentioned, like, you know, if DeAndre Swift is back um, and he plays well – um, that's just the only worrying part. But then again, uh, you got to look at Matt Stafford and his injury and his ability to throw the football. So uh, give me the Texans there. Like, I got to have some guts here. So can't bet the Lions because the Lions are not a good team. Um, give me the Cowboys, of course, and give me the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers, like you said, Jake, uh, good football, playing good football in all three phases. And uh, the, the Ravens, like you mentioned, a lot of people on that COVID list. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to practice. Like you mentioned earlier, they're, they were going to do a, a walkthrough in the Ravens practice facility. They couldn't, and um, I don't see them practicing until uh, Thursday. They don't really practice on Wednesdays either. I think that's a travel day. So, um, yeah, it's going to be tough for the Ravens to win uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. 
Definitely. Um, and then looking at some of the player props for this week, um, mostly the only ones that are really out right now are for these uh, these Thanksgiving games. So all of mine are in these Thanksgiving games. Um, but I've got Andy Dalton over one and a half passing touchdowns. You know, I think he looked a lot better. He's starting to get, you know, he's more comfortable with the offense now, I think. Um, he looked pretty good this past week. So I'll, I took that. Um, I've got that at, uh, at minus 115. I think a Marvin Jones anytime touchdown. I think he's really the offensive threat, especially if Swift's not back in that offense. You know, he's the most likely to score for me. Um, so I took that at plus 145. And then Antonio Gibson over 52 and a half rushing, um, which is minus 143. This is a Dallas rush defense. It's been terrible this year. Um, they're averaging 100, 154 yards given up per game. Um, they have been better recently, 96.7 over the last three games. But this is a Dallas team that hasn't been able to stop the run. So you give me a running back who just put up almost 100 yards last week against them, I'm going to take that every time. Oh, definitely. Like, you know, Antonio Gibson, man, crazy. Like, I actually drafted him, and I dropped him in my fantasy team. I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me. Like, I already know what how important he is and – uh, how high he is on fantasy rankings for running backs. I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me. Um, but said it the second time. I don't know why. But anyways, I love that um, that Andy Dalton passing yards, if I'm uh, – correct me if I'm wrong, right? Passing yards? Probably? Passing touchdowns. Oh, touchdowns. passing touchdowns. Okay, yeah. Yeah, don't love that. I, I really think that, like, you know, Dallas, if they can drive that ball, um, CeeDee Lamb, um, Amari Cooper, they can go up and get that get those touchdowns for him. Uh, Gibson, I love that prop. I love Marvin Jones, man, uh, getting that touchdown. Anytime touchdown, I think it is. Uh, but for my props, folks, I got Will Fuller over 70 yards, uh, 70 and a half yards, rather, against the Lions. Um, you know, Jeff Okuda is their best um, best corner, and he got burnt a lot this last week um, by DJ Moore. And I really think that, you know, Will Fuller can actually lift the top over that defense there. Um and also for my second prop, I got James Conner and anytime touchdown. Um, this is all from FanDuel, um, minus 120. And then uh, for my third prop, give me Antonio Gibson, um, anytime touchdown, plus 105. Get that and plus money. I really think that like if Antonio Gibson can get the Jets going and against that um, that terrible rush defense that the Dallas Cowboys have, I think that he can go off um, and it'll be a really good game. Yeah, I really like that Fuller pick as well. This is a this is a Lions team that's given up 237 points on the year fantasy wise to wide receivers. Um, they're given up over you know almost 200 yards a game receiving to receivers. Um, especially the past few weeks have looked really bad against the Washington football team. They gave up 254 yards against the Panthers, 243 yards. You know, so this is a team that get that can, like you said, can get beat and burnt by guys. So I definitely like that Will Fuller play a lot. Gibson, I wanted to go the touchdown. But I also the yards was looking a little juicy for me. But you know I wouldn't be don't be surprised if I throw a little money on a Gibson Tutty here as well. Oh, definitely. I'll I'll be asking you on Thursday if he threw some money on that if he gets into the end zone. I mean you got to throw a little bit of money on that on that running. Antonio Gibson, man. Yeah, I might he, throw might throw a five bucks. Throw a half unit on there or something. We'll see. Yeah, something, something. Throw something on. Throw like a half a shoe or something like that, something, something, something <laughs> like that on there. But like, dude, like I, I really like that prop. I really like Antonio Gibson in the end zone this Thursday. And like, I'm gonna eat a lot of food. It's not gonna be turkey, um, uh, but I'll, I'll try to eat like you know cornbread and all that stuff. I love cornbread. So, um, but folks, um, 
We actually, at the Fantasy Oddscast, we really appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in for our second podcast together. Um, you know, as always, you can find us on Twitter. Um, myself, AJ, AJ Desai4. Um, you can find Jake on Twitter, um, Jake Perry34. And we will talk to you next week. And this podcast will actually be up on Spotify in an hour. So um, when you see it up there on our Twitter, um, on our Twitter handle at the Fantasy Oddcast. Go in, tune in, and check it out, um, and check out our props and our fantasy players to start and to sit. We'll see you next week. Once again, AJ and Jake. Thank you, guys. Stay home. Stay comfy. See you guys later.